Welcome back to Real Phonies, where we take a love for movies and television and combine it with very little knowledge about movies and television. I'm your host, Christian. Join me and my co-host, Joseph. Yellow. Ian. Back again, baby. And J.U. <laughs> Here to talk about once again, for like the 50th time this week, some Marvel shit. Uh, or this year, not this week. Um, I'm talking time like my kids year. do. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Shang-Chi is out in theaters, follows this guy named Shang-Chi who has to fight his dad and shit. See, I, I want to immediately walk back a previous episode like just a week or two ago where we were disputing whether or not it was Shang-Chi or Shang-Chi or whether it mattered. But I feel like since in the movie, his name is Sean and it's, you realize it's just an Americanization of Shang. Now I feel like I need to say Shang. Shang-Chi. I, yeah. I, I had I had kept it real with Shang-Chi right up until I walked up to the box office in Pace, Florida. <laughs> and and I just felt like, man, they're gonna think I'm one of them. So I switched to Shang right there. Agree. I think that I think Joseph's right. I think the uh the Sean bit was very much a message to us Americans to get it right. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. I like they made a joke out of it. That was the right way to go about that. Uh, I did. I really couldn't think of a good description for this movie because I don't know. I found it hard to describe. But Shang Chi and his best friend and his sister race to fight his dad, who's the Mandarin, in search of his long lost mother? Question mark. It's a lot of famous people in this movie. I don't remember any of them though, so I'm going to relate to <laughs> Joseph on that. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, there's a, a medium amount of famous people in them. I feel like it's, it's people. <laughs> Uh, not necessarily your A-list people, but you know, Simulu, uh, famously of sitcom and other fame, who had lobbied online for this role and actually got it, which is not a thing that happens very often. Right. Uh, Aquafina is his uh, sidekick slash potential future love interest. It's unclear. I got the best friend vibe, but yeah, Katie. I think she's great. Oh, for sure, we get the best friend vibe, but I I feel like they're they're trying to narratively lead us even if they weren't on-screen chemistry trying to lead us to potential future lovers. Uh, the the sister, I don't think, has a tremendous amount of credits. No, uh, this is her only acting credit. Okay, good. Uh, uh, Tony Leung, I, I'm swinging at that uh, this one. Is what, yeah, that's why I threw it to you, so you could butcher all these names. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, this who, is my forte. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I should have had Ian do this. Uh, who's who's apparently uh, a fairly prominent Hong Kong actor, but uh, is this is his first, you know, uh, American film? And what a, a dive into the deep end, huh? There, there were surely some some smaller prestige things you could have done uh, instead of a, a giant industry tentpole kind of thing. But hey, whatever. Uh, and then some other cameo ones that I don't really want to talk about yet. Yeah, some of them are spoilery. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what were our general impressions and thoughts of this movie, guys? I liked it. You know, I think we've talked about it a, a million times at this point. But, you know, there's like 23 Marvel movies and none of them are worse than Transformers. All of them, at least, I think, fill out the baseline of being an entertaining movie. Uh, I, I feel like this is actually like a relatively like mid-tier film. I think it's, it's pretty uh, likable. I think the action is pretty spectacular in the way that they use the set pieces is really great it reminded me a lot of kind of the older jackie chan stuff and i realized how much i fucking missed that i love using environments and props in in fight scenes but uh i i feel like 
there was a strong core of a story in here that could have been really good, but I just feel like it got lost in some other stuff that happens that probably didn't need to be in the movie. Interesting. Oh man, I'll, I'll go next. Um, I'm I'm not sure I'm ready to commit to this yet. I'm going to wait till we're all done talking about it, but I'm leaning towards this is my very first worse than transformers on a Marvel movie. That's Holy insane. cow. Wow. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, man, it just, um, I don't want to be one of those geeks. And I, I think history, you know, recorded on this podcast will show that I'm not. I'm not one of those geeks who are like, it just wasn't like the comics. I think one of the things that really works about the Marvel movies is they boil these characters down to their, you know, sort of essential core. And, you know, don't bother with hitting every little story beat of their origin, but do enough of it to where it is that character but made into something that works on screen instead of on a comic. But this was so wildly different. I don't even know that it was the same character. Going back, uh, doing a little continuity here with, uh, with, uh, with the Real Phonies podcast, I believe on my very first ever appearance on this podcast, I was talking about how excited I was about this movie. And I was talking specifically about how when they were going to make an Iron Fist uh, TV show, before that had even been cast, they were talking about switching the character to being an Asian actor to get, keep it from being like a white savior story and all that. And I was super opposed to it because I knew if they made that, they'd never make a Shang-Chi movie. It would be one or the other if they made Iron Fist Asian. And this actually felt more like an Iron Fist movie, particularly the third act. The uh, secret Kung Fu city, that's a that's fucking Iron Fist shit. That's not uh, that's not uh, that's not Shang-Chi shit. And I, I I would really like to see what the script, like, like the rough draft of the script of this was like the weekend before Black Panther was a hit, because that whole third act was just a was just a attempt to be like you know black panther sold so we should give this guy his own wakanda that's the thing that should be in this i just don't feel like this was presented with confidence and it it makes me actually look back on on black widow and think maybe it was worse than transformers too because i think a lot of what i didn't like about this movie is the first ones that were because they are in a shared universe and trying to A, not be like each other, but also trying to repeat things that they know worked in the other. So I don't know. I want to hear more of what you guys got to say about it. Because there are things I really like. Cast was really good. That fucking action sequence on the bus was fucking tight. But I, I don't know. Overall, as a movie, I was I, I was dozing in it a couple of times. Oh, wow. I can go next because I think I'll be a good counterpoint because I, I loved it. I think like there's about five movies in the MCU I can think that I like better than this. Um, as far as origins, the only one I think is I really like better was Black Panther. I thought the first half was a lot better. It was very street level. Um, this the back half where like once they go with the dad to Taolo, I didn't love it the first time. I've watched it twice. I watched it once with Jones, which we were more critiquing. The second half I watched it with a live audience at IMAX, and I enjoyed the second half more the second time. Because I could like I was sitting next to this little Asian kid who when that dragon came on, he was like, wow, you know what I mean? And it made me like realize that 
I don't know, this probably wasn't meant, the back half's not for me. You know what I mean? It's more for kids and it's probably more for that culture. But um, I thought Aquafina was probably like had some of the funniest jokes like in the MCU, specifically like the bit about like the elevator. There was a bit about like um, making a great team like at the end of that bus fight, um, that like the beef and chicken thing and the vegetarian on the plane. Like some of those like jokes just cracked me up. Like I love her. I want to see more of her. Um, that bus fight is probably the best action scene since Winter Soldier's Nick Fury car thing. Like 100%. Yeah. Um, like, like they keep raising the stakes, you know what I mean? It starts off this and then it's this and then it's this. And then even on the side of the building, like the thing with all, you know, when they're the fighting. The side of the oh yeah. Yeah. Like, like it's just, it's all like that first 60 minutes. Like I timed it the second watch. I was like, how far can I get into this movie? Like where I just think it's pure gold. You know what I mean? And until they go with the dad at the end of that skyscraper fight, the first 60 minutes, there's not a second of that movie. I don't love, um, the back half, like I said, I, I agree. It's definitely Black Panther. It's, but I, I love Black Panther. So I don't look at that as like a negative, like maybe you guys do. Um, I agree with her. There is definitely some Iron Fist in there. But I could see them tying Iron Fist into the, the sequel. Because you know, we're not going to get into the spoilers. But the after credit scene and w- how they kind of don't really describe the Ten Rings at all. The Ten Rings is definitely, that's the sequel. They're going dis- to talk about that. And I think that you could bring in some of the heavenly cities and like you could do a lot with that that could kind of tie it back into and still bring in you know maybe make this a little more relevant to that the the villain was probably the worst part the like the mega soul sucker it felt very like lovecraftian like you know what i mean um but i I don't know if i love that it was a little dark for a marvel movie also i think you know when they're like sucking you know people's heads off but um yeah i loved morris as like that creature like that's when the movie flips like when they introduce morris it goes from a street level like (laughs) very grounded movie and then morris comes out and it becomes a completely different movie and i was a little jarred on the first screening of that but the second screening like i knew it was coming and they planted those seeds like it it, it worked a lot better for me like i said it made me laugh action you know it made me have feelings like i thought the villain was really good i could identify with wenwu yeah, like I said, it's, it's number six for me. The only movies I can say definitively I like better are Infinity War, Civil War, Winter Soldier, Black Panther, and Ragnarok. Like, other than that, like, I like it. It's right at the top for me. I, I should say, I did like the Kung Fu City. I thought it was cool. I liked that there were animals in it that were just straight up Pokemon. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but, but uh, I just, you know, it was just one of those things where it felt forced into this. You know, this may just be my malfunction, but it was not the story I want. I uh, I like this movie. I thought it was better than Transformers. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, th- and this is kind of the the really the point that I want to stress to this is that I think plot wise, this movie isn't great. There are things I dislike, especially in the back half. Uh, to Ian's point, the first half when it's like kind of like street crime, the bus scene, he's just fighting ninjas and shit. I really dug that part. I thought that was a lot of fun. What makes this really great and to me was the cast is stellar. Everyone is so good. Simu Liu is so charismatic as Shang-Chi. Aquafina's hilarious. Tony Lung is great as Wenwu. Uh, Michelle, Michelle Yao is always a delight when she pops up on screen. Um, How did you feel about the sister? I think she's a bit one emotion the whole film, but I think she does that emotion well. I was trying to figure out if it was a performance issue or a writing issue because I, I felt like her or her character was like the most standout. Like 
this doesn't seem like it, it's up to the same level as everything else that's going on. Uh, it's also I, the most that's completely original, right? Like that that character is totally made up for this movie. Yeah, I mean, like uh, Shang-Chi five. does have a half sister in in comics, but it's nothing like that. Yeah, mm. he's got a, he has a bunch of sisters. They combine for this is, is what I researched into. It. I haven't mm. read a lot of Shang-Chi. So, I mean, that's another thing. Her, I don't think I know as much about the comics as you do. So that's why probably my expectations going into it were different. Like, I didn't know exactly what I wanted out of this. You know what I mean? Right. So I think what I got, I like. Whereas if I had some preconceived notions, maybe I would have felt a little different. What I what I kind of I don't know struggle. It struggles the wrong word. I think this movie is a lot of fun. I enjoy watching it. I will be excited to watch it again. But what's hard for me, and I told you guys this, and if this comes across super racist, then we can cut it. That's fine. Uh, but this 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 movie's like eating Chinese food. Um, in that Chinese people can make it, and. I can go to a Chinese restaurant and I can feel like I appreciated their cuisine and their culture and they presented it to me. And yet it still feels like cultural appropriation at the end of it. It's still that move, that back half of the movie still looks like the ceiling at Shanghai buffet. And I don't know, you know, like how to feel about it. Cause it's, there's that element. And then it's such a CGI fest compared to the kind of grounded city element. The first half of the movie is, and it just feels I don't know if the back half feels really jarring. I can enjoy it and think it's fun, but I don't know. It kind of feels like it doesn't belong with the first half of the movie to me. But I mean, again, I, I'm excited to see that dude as that character and other things. Like I'm excited to see that dude as that character in the Avengers. I don't know that I'm ready for Shang-Chi too. Right. Well, you know uh, what, what you say about cultural appropriation and stuff like that. I'm totally willing to be schooled about this if I'm wrong, but I feel like, you know, first of all, in comics, you know, just, just a little backstory. Shang-Chi's father is the pulp character Fu Manchu. Uh, Marvel no longer has the rights to that character. So they use the Mandarin as a stand-in, which is fine because the Mandarin is a complete ripoff of Fu Manchu. And that's been a hard character for them to bring in, even though he's been requested from the very beginning because there are just elements of him that are kind of racist. And I feel like in trying to fix that, they cut out the parts that made him a cool villain and just left the parts that were kind of racist. He like still seems like ancient Chinese secret sort of stereotype. Like it, I don't know, maybe I was seeing that wrong, but, and you know, and man, just also with the Mandarin, it's, uh, I, I don't know if we this is spoilers or not, but I mean, like, so we've had two characters before say they were the Mandarin the, the, and they weren't. And now we've got one character that was the Mandarin, but that he says that wasn't his name. Could that be any more fucking confusing? That's, I didn't think of it that way, but that's a very good point. Yeah, I don't know about I can't speak to racism. Like, I, I don't think I'm the right person. You know, I don't. I, I didn't get that. I, I think thought, I think a group of four white guys is the perfect yeah. group to talk about. I, like I said, I'm going to stay away from that. But I will say that I thought when we was a fully formed character, like, you know, I, I like the aspect of him and, and the girl, like giving up everything, raising a family. And like, I felt the heartbreak. Like I was along for the ride. You know, I wouldn't say like the, the emotional pull was as much as like when T'Challa's dad died. You know what I mean? Like that almost made right. a tear up yeah. in that scene. But like, I felt I, like I was with, that character like when he put away the wings i understood hit like him wanting to find his wife again you know what i mean as as like disillusioned as you could tell he was and, and it didn't really it wasn't logical that he she would behind that gate 
Like I can see, like that's all he wanted. You know what I mean? So I, I thought, he, I thought they presented it well. I, I can say he is a he is a good character. He's a fully realized character. There's no part of him that I dislike, as I think was the problem. Like yeah. he's supposed to be the bad guy in this movie. Like there are relatable elements to Thanos, the Vulture. Like a lot of times, even in those guys' movies, you feel like maybe they're the one that's right. But there's yeah. always a core to them that you're like, okay, but this is the bad guy. How he's going about it is wrong. I don't necessarily ever feel that way about this. And it kind of throws off the whole narrative for me. I just want to be clear here. I'm not saying the movie is racist. I'm saying to me, it, it feels like the times when I've been told that I like something and people say you're racist for liking that. And I'm like, man, but it's just general's chicken. It's not that bad. And that's how I feel about this movie. I agree. I don't think it's racist, but I do agree that it might be like this podcast Four white guys trying not to be racist. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's like, a good point. I could agree like, with that. <laughs> definitely a white guy thought of the DDR scene. Sure. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> and karaoke? I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah. I know. Do we have karaoke joints like that? Not like a karaoke bar, but like the club thing where you can like hang out in a room and stuff. I've never seen those in America. No. Well, I bet you San Francisco because it's closer to Japan. Like, you know what I mean? It's going to uh, be maybe, more maybe, yeah. Asian American influence. You know what I yeah. mean? Because it's it's closer to that. I what, what did you guys think? I mean, is, what did you think of some of the cameos? Like, like what did you think of like Wong? Like, I was, was going to say. So uh, we we've, we're way past initial impressions, but spoilers from here on out. If I if did want to, I want to add one more thing to initial impressions. God and damn this it. is only because he just real quick, only because Ian and Hurt said it. This movie is a total like if Iron Man was the blueprint of origin films, Black Panther is now the blueprint, and this is one hundred percent the right. blueprint of that. Yep. I also have one more thing I'd like to say before we get beyond impressions. God, damn this, it! <laughs> well, because just this is my this is my major problem with the movie, and I hadn't even got to it. You know, the core of the comic and this character was that it was kind of an espionage story. Uh, you know, um, Shang Chi w- grew up as the son of Fu Manchu. You know, very short re- retelling his origin. Uh, thought his dad was humanitarian and a philanthropist his dad sends him to kill someone who is supposed to be a threat to world peace he does and then he immediately finds out that his dad's actually the worst villain on earth and he just killed a good guy so it becomes he essentially becomes a sort of mix between 007 and bruce lee fighting fu manchu who's basically a bond villain and i loved that and i realized how it's sort of like the punisher you know how the Punisher is never really that interesting in a in a uh, in a movie setting because it's just what every movie is. It's a guy with a gun who wants revenge. Yeah. Um, you know, I realized that what I wanted would have basically just been Enter the Dragon. It would have basically just been a kung fu movie set in the Marvel universe. But I just think completely cutting out the espionage aspect and making it more of a supernatural story, which isn't really Shang-Chi's thing, didn't fly for me. Uh, and I, like I said, I think it was done because, well, the last movie we did was an espionage movie. We can't do two espionage movies in a row. Yeah, but there wasn't any goddamn espionage in that movie. I, I love the idea of, of a James Bond movie with more kung fu in it. That sounds fucking dope. Right. Doesn't that sound pretty fucking fun? Yeah, yeah it does. <laughs> And I, I, I also have something I have to add here because Christian. Uh, God uh, damn it! Uh, yeah, I know, take exactly. forever. Hundred percent. 
because uh, I don't fundamentally agree. Uh, like, I know what you mean blueprint wise, and I think I know what you mean blueprint wise for an origin story. And I feel like it, it's mostly the fantastical, mystical world we, we get spirited away to. At the core of this story, it's functionally just fucking Star Wars, you know? Uh, Shang-Chi is Luke Skywalker, and uh, fucking uh, Wen Wu is Darth Vader. Right. And that's it. I mean, that's true. And, and honestly, that's true. If, if the movie had been more directly focused on that and less on the extraneous stuff, because I think that was the emotional heart of the movie, where, like, they're both kind of, like, you know, valid. You know, the, Wen Wu is just desperately grieving the loss of his wife, will not get over it. It's just kind of a defining characteristic. He doesn't want to hurt his uh, his children. He doesn't even necessarily want to want to hurt other people, it seems like. He mostly just wants his wife back. Uh, and Shang-Chi also doesn't want to hurt his father. He mostly just wants his dad back, even though his dad sucks, and he knows it. Uh, but he's also willing to you know, stand up to him, you know, when it's directly conflicting with, with his values of things that he thinks are important. Uh, and then at the end, there's an important last minute sacrifice, you know, where Darth Vader, when Wu decides that, oh no, my children are more important. And, uh, you know, I don't know, it's Star Wars. And I love that. I think that's the, the strongest connection in the movie. And I wish we had focused more on that instead of adding more stuff. Yeah, I just want to say, be clear here. What I'm saying when I say it's Black Panther is that it's definitely a father-son story at its core, which Black Panther is as well. And you're right, 100% Star Wars is as well. Uh, it is about a the, the competition between two people who are essentially the same. Uh, Black Panther... Son, okay, I'll get you Pop-Tarts in a second. Hold on. Um, <laughs> get those Pop-Tarts. I know, I'm a bad dad. Um <laughs> which is our hero and our villain are essentially have similar motives, but are on two sides of the same coin. And then it comes down eventually to a confrontation between the two and ultimate sacrifice. It's okay, son. It's 100% what happens in, in black Panther. And it's a good model. Again, you, like you said, it's a star Wars model, but I, I'm afraid now it's going to be, and we saw a little bit of it with Thanos as well as making him relatable and stuff. But uh, I'm afraid that this is, this is the new norm of, marvel origin films i do feel like marvel took the note of like our villains are too boring to mean that they need to be more identifiable a lot of great villains are not necessarily like identifiable some of them are just fun villains right every every uh disney movie villain they're not necessarily good people you don't aren't really necessarily on their side but they seem like they're having fun well i mean like i think the the most successful ones are like the killmongers and the thanoses and like you know, but then they have. I'm Loki, not, I'm not you know, saying so, you can't do that. Also, I'm yeah, just saying can, I don't know that they, they can all do need both. To be that way. Yeah, like yeah. I don't think Loki's very. You know, you get on his side very much. I mean, maybe with the TV show, but but yeah, this is very. The, the villain is very Killmonger for sure. Like you can identify with his motivation. You know, one more initial thing, and I'm I'm done. Okay, <laughs> I love this movie, <laughs> but still, top two worst Marvel moment in any MCU history is Aquafina hitting that shot with the arrow. Just, just yes. horrible. I made me. I the second time I couldn't even look at it. I had to put my head down because I hated it so much. Everything <laughs> right. else is great, but yeah, no, that's one of the worst moments in it. Like she became Hawkeye after training with a bow for an hour, and it annoyed right. the fuck out of me. <laughs> so, so those cameos, huh? Yep. I mean, look. I, I, full spoilers from here on out, but just to build on it, it, what if we just did a Hawkeye show with Jeremy Renner and Aquafina? 
I'm down. I, I thought I thought that. that. <laughs> I was watching this. I'm like, are they setting her up to be Kate Bishop? But yeah. it's not her <laughs> name is Katie. Maybe she's Kate Bishop. Hey. Oh shit. <laughs> we may have something here, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to go yeah. on record in saying I hate the Wong Abomination fight. I hate it. It's fucking pointless. Had no need to be in that movie. See, I don't hate that it's there. I just hate that they like portray the fight after that as the main event as if somebody watching the abomination a wong fight between a magician and a fucking weird monster is are gonna get excited about two like normal people just punching yeah. each other like fuck right. you. Yeah. you ordered right. this wrong right you just had hogan flair up there and now some local jobbers going up thank you i really i like i was really trying to dig for any wrestlers that i knew <laughs> and i couldn't think of a single fucking one yeah i yeah i agree and, and i should say the abomination looked fucking great like man yeah. that that was something that was like okay they did that with confidence this wasn't that old lumpy green shit that looks like the fucking abomination but yeah that was totally in there it's like man if we we, we got to have something in the middle that reminds people that this is part of the Mar- Marvel Universe. And it was literally just there for that. It didn't do anything else for yeah. the movie. Yeah, I hated yeah. it because it was two seconds. It felt pandering at that point because they're yeah. putting it on the posters. It's in the trailer. And you could have easily made that a two-minute fight. And it would have been cool, like a, just a little right. side fight. You'd had no, you didn't need to do anything else, but it, it felt half-handed to me. So, I mean, that was disappointing. I didn't hate it but very disappointed. Did you guys notice that uh, one of the side fights when they're walking, it looked like they had one of the guys fighting in like one of those side rooms had um, the extremist fire. Yeah. I did. Yeah. From Iron Man three. And then one of them was the black widow from black widow. One of the black widows was in there. I think that's the same fight. I think he's fighting. I think the extremist guy is fighting a black. widow. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. I, I I will say, I feel like it's dumb of me to draw lines in the sand, but there was a part of me after watching this movie where I was worried that like the next, you know, big, you know, whatever the the phase four or five, whatever, whatever the next version of Thanos is in the Marvel universe for the big fight, one of one of the like uh, ace in the holes is going to be they summon a dragon, and I'm like, I'm not here for that shit. Uh, <laughs> and like that's fucking objectively stupid because one of the most emotionally satisfying moments is when Captain America summons a magical hammer to his hand. And I fucking loved that shit. Uh, so there's no reason that I, I'd have an issue with that. But some part of me was like, oh, I don't necessarily want it to turn into this. How do we feel about the Ten Rings as a whole? They're they very cho- different. How they chose very, to do them in this movie. I think they're very unexplained on purpose. Like, they seem like they didn't want to tell you a lot. Because I think they're saving that for the sequel. Like, you don't, they don't tell you the powers. They don't even tell you where they're from. So I don't feel like you got the full story with this one, which I think was a little annoying. I wish they were a second movie thing. I, uh, I wish the first movie would have just been Shang-Chi is the best fighter on Earth. And then the second movie is, oh, shit, he's the best fighter on Earth. And now he has this artifact that puts him on the level with the Avengers. What's absolutely annoying about it is that the movie, is called the legend of the 10 rings and there's no fucking legend of the 10 rings it's <laughs> <Yep. laughs> a good point that's actually a great point yeah. there's a legend of the mandarin or win Wu or whatever he wants to be called but at no point do people give a shit about the 10 rings in this movie. yeah right like the first line of the movie is like we think we found the 10 rings in a tomb or in a comet hole and i'm like what the fuck is that you know what i mean like and then they never go back to it like you know you figure you to ask your dad hey where did you find them when you're growing up, you know what I mean? But no, just like literally never tell you anything about it. So 
like I said, I think they're definitely saving that for the sequel, um, especially with that after credit scene. But we'll see. I, I, I was a little annoyed they didn't give you more in this one, though. Do we want to talk about the uh, big cameo, I feel like, that I was mostly just looking for Christian's reaction for if he's not corralling children? <laughs> Are we talking about Trevor Slattery? I or am yeah. talking about Trevor Slattery. Dude, fucking love it. I love yeah. that dude. I love that character. I have long, you know, I've said on this podcast and I will say it again. Trevor is not what's wrong with Iron Man 3. Aldrich Killian is what's wrong with Iron Man 3. And you know what? This movie confirmed my opinion. For sure. Yes. Uh, number one, it, it highlights Trevor. But there's the whole bit about, you know, this crazy guy hiring him. He turned out to be insane. And 100 percent. Either that's shitting on Aldrich Killian or it's shitting on Shane Black. And if it's both, I'm okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, 100%. Trevor's the best scene in Iron Man 3, not the worst scene. And I was really glad to see him again. Yeah, I don't know how like... he survived. That, like, that guy should have died very quickly into that final fight scene. I just right. want to throw that out there. He right. just he was dead. What do you mean? He was acting. <laughs> yeah, he was so good at acting. <laughs> All I know is that Planet of the Apes monologue he does fucking killed me. Oh, God, it's so funny. It's great. (laughs) That was the scene, you know, where you talked about you and Ian, you talked about you enjoyed it more the second time with the crowd. There was a lot of times watching it where I was like, man, I would be enjoying this more if I was with like 200 people. And definitely that scene. I mean, I was laughing, but I was like, this would be so much funnier if it was a room full of people losing their shit. For sure. I, I will say, like, I feel like the movie makes a lot of space for jokes, and I don't feel like all of the, the spaces they make are laugh-worthy events. Uh, <laughs> a, a lot of them, a lot of the scenes are just Aquafina reacting to something, and I feel like way too much of the responsibility is on her shoulders. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that, the Trevor Slattery thing is genuinely the most funny thing in the whole movie, I think. Yeah, it's, it's, it's perfect. It's, yeah, it, it maybe died just as much the second time, so... Yeah, and I, I like I like Morris, man. I thought Morris was super cute. They're gonna sell some toys with Morris. Hundred percent. I really do. I think that that is an like a little plush toy waiting to happen. You're gonna see it at Build a Bear next week. Yeah, I'm gonna see a bunch of four year olds dragging dirty Morrises on the ground. (laughs) (laughs) You'll see my four year olds dragging dirty Morrises. To Jehu's point, some of those animals were straight up Pokemon. There was like a fucking nine tails in there. Uh-huh. There were a- yeah. absolutely. It was just straight up nine tails. Like there was a bird that was like Moltres, but there was straight up nine tails in that shit. Somebody's Wait, getting sued. By the way, they're probably those animals from Pokemon are probably based on different like Asian legends 100%. and we don't yeah. know about them so it's this is the part that's probably racist we're like oh they stole that shit from pokemon <laughs> yeah. when reality pokemon stole that shit from something else so 100 that's probably true it did get me thinking where is our live action just pokemon red movie because you know how much fucking money that would make oh, like, totally. they, can, they can obviously do it like just do something like that and it'll look fucking great especially like you can work your way up to it uh, like you said, if you just did a Pokemon Red movie, you don't need that many Pokemon. Nope. You could, nope. You could nope. get away with probably like 20 or less. Yeah. yeah. They have the capability. Get on it, fucking Nintendo. Yeah. We're I like the get... Lion Dragons. That's my last piece on it. Yeah, those guys were cute as hell. Yeah, they look cool. I, yeah, I thought, I, thought, I thought the character, like the animal designs were legitimately, they look good. I don't think the dragons look great. Like they felt a little green screeny. But like the animals, they felt more like animatronic almost. You know what I mean? Especially yeah. those lions like towering around. Yeah, Ian and I talked about this right after we watched it, which was like the animals looked great. The scenery 
looks terrible. Yeah, it does. Mm. <laughs> like the yep. everything that was walking on grass, you're good to go. But <laughs> anything in the background looks like butt. Yeah, definitely the fucking tree maze. That was like some fucking 1998 like CGI. Like they got that shit on a discount. Yep, for sure. All right. Anything else on Shang-Chi? Shang-Chi? Do we, we want to do the after credit scenes? Or, oh, yeah. Let's know, do the after credit scenes real yeah. quick. The first one is, hey, this guy's going to be an Avenger. Correct. Yeah. But I also, thought it was interesting. Hulk was Bruce Banner, though. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. But he had he had the sling on like he's going to permanently be hurt from the snap is what my impression is. Well, it's also not clear how far away from the snap it's been in this movie. I don't really know when it takes place in the context of the rest of the universe. Captain Marvel has, you know, non-lesbian hair in this this one. So it's got to be some time away unless wherever she is in the universe hair grows faster See, it's also not clear though that they've come back yet because if let's say you know he hasn't turned into smart hulk yet and she hasn't cut her hair yet like they talk about you know but he has that one sling well i know i mean other than that like maybe he got you know maybe it's something from like the fight against thanos you know what i mean when you know when he was in the hulkbuster armor because like the only scene they talk about the snap is like when they're with their friend and she's like we're living in a place where half the universe can disappear yeah, but they never but, talk about people coming back. You know what I mean? But there's so, also know, the like, fact that that he looks really, really old. Like, yeah. <laughs> Five hundred years old in that scene. That's a good point. <laughs> they definitely started late on a lot of these actors. I, I feel like yeah. when when they start when Avengers 2012 came out, they didn't realize how long of a, a game they were playing here. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> what do you think they're they're building to? Because I. I have a theory as to what they're they're building to as far as where the rings come from and how it ties into other movies. Does anybody else have anything? Like I mean, that? look, I have I no, got something. I have no comic context to draw from, but just proximity wise, I was going to assume it was based something related to the Eternals. Yes, that's what I think. I, I think I think they come from the Celestials, and I think specifically the way it played out with the rings, how they kind of made mandarin worse when he was wearing them i think we're going to see a lot of characters who get weapons that are based on like remnants from the celestials because i think black knight sword sword will be the same thing just because this seemed to play out the same way that using it made you worse it's a good point i don't know i thought shang chi kind of turned at the end where he he made him good but my thought was i think they're gonna like I, i said in the beginning i think it's possible they turn it into like like you know there's a seven heavenly cities I'm thinking right. maybe that it, the next one could be like the what I probably and this is probably more what I want than what it could be. But like the next one, like this is like the prize of like their tournament. And like what that's calling out to is one of the heavenly cities. And I think, you know, maybe all these different heavenly cities come in and they have to do like a like a Mortal Kombat style tournament for the rings. And the winner is like, that's their prize. You know what I mean? And then you kind of bring in that like all the different cities like, you know, and then you can get like uh, Fat Cobra. You know what right. I mean? You can get some of these other like martial art characters into it because you got to do something with Shang-Chi too where he does more martial arts and you got to get him away from the rings because you're right. Well, it makes him too overpowering with those rings. I will say this to your point that maybe you might be right. They thanked Matt Fraction in the end and Matt Fraction has never like written a Shang-Chi story, but he wrote all that shit you're talking about. So maybe they are setting up for that. I will say this is unrelated to the post credit scenes. Well, not unrelated, but seeing the Eternals in a movie theater really improved my opinion of the Eternals trailer. I agree. It, it needed to be bigger. 
It did. I, I think it, I'm not saying it, it, it didn't get me as excited as like the Spider-Man one, but I, I definitely think it, it came off better on a big screen. So on, on that note, and I think the ending of Shang-Chi is, do you two want to switch your vote to be with me, which is that Eternals will be better than Shang-Chi? I mean, I want to switch my vote just because I'm hoping. I'm not going to switch enough. my vote. Yeah, I feel good where I'm at. <laughs> Um, uh, the only other thing, I, there's not much to the second post credit scene. You know, it's mostly just, oh, the Ten Rings are still around. But I felt so vindicated because the sister had such villain bangs the whole time. And I was like, <laughs> man, there's no way that she's not evil. But then the movie ended. I was like, oh, maybe she's not evil. Yeah. Well, the only thing I had to say about the that end credit scene is I think that's the reason Ta- Taskmaster wasn't really a character in uh, Black Widow because what you would have done to make that a character is basically was the end credit scene to this. So again, it was trying not to be like the other thing they were already doing. Uh, you know, so my, my thing with that is I, I don't know if she's going to be a villain. I could see her more being like an anti-hero in the sequel. Cause she's definitely, I don't think she'll be anything more than Shang-Chi too. And maybe he does something and she's going to be like helping him, but like outside the law and they're not really against each other, but they're not against, like they're not opposed to each other either. I don't, I don't think she'll be a pure villain. I think, she's going to be kind of like make that like an anti-hero organization. I'll just say, I'm going to go with this is better than Transformers. But if Eternals is shitty in the spots that this was and Black Widow was, I will retroactively make all of them worse than Transformers. I've got <laughs> my fair. finger on the button. I love fair. it. When, when, you, when you just think about this movie, just think about the bus scene, the uh, scaffolding scene, and Trevor Slattery. And I think you'll be okay. <laughs> I agree. Totally. totally. I think that's enough to get through. I I know this is, uh, you know, this this is the first one that I really know that I just didn't like that it veered too far from the comics. But also, that's never really been that big of a problem with the Marvel movies. They usually stick to the core of it. Well, we'll see what they do with with these lesser known characters as we keep going forward, including the Eternals. Right. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, that's uh, that's Shang-Chi. If you have seen it, which I, I think... Probably a lot of you have, because it seems like the movie theaters are doing pretty well with it so far. Please let us know. You can reach us at realphonies.gmail.com. Let us know what you think. Uh, So that's Shang-Chi. What have you been watching this past week, guys? Again, I have not watched anything. I finished Harry Potter, so I started watching Harry Potter movies. Yeah, I've only done through the first two. They're better than Transformers. That first book and first movie is so just, hey, this is the wizarding world. The, the thing that gets me in the first movie is how good Tom Felton is comparatively to everybody else. Oh, yeah. And, and then how everybody kind of catches up to him in the later movies and he just kind of is the same. Well, and the problem, that character kind of dimi- diminishes in importance. Until, sure. eventually, until eventually there's, there's nothing, but he's definitely the standout child actor. I've, yeah, I've talked on. about this before when I rewatched in the last time, but in I don't know how it is in the books because I can't remember, but canonically in the movies, Draco only schools Harry Potter one time through all of his antagonizing. Uh, <laughs> and so like he's a pretty piss poor villain if you think about it. <laughs> yeah. What I do enjoy is that there is like a, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but him and Jason Isaacs have like a real father and son relationship. Like they have like tea together frequently and they give each other gifts on their birthdays and they refer to each other as father and son. And I don't know that it just makes me happy that someone yeah. has that kind of relationship. That is cool. Uh, um, the only other thing is I started rereading Dune because the movie comes out in six weeks. So right on. that's it. All better than Transformers. 
you know, it's funny you say that thing about uh, about uh, Draco and Jason Isaac, because I also, you know, they were showing them 24 hours a day on E this weekend. So I also watched a bunch of Harry Potter movies. Like, it seems like those are those are on like every weekend now. Right. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I also read some trivia about Jason Isaac that he tried to steal uh, Malfoy's walking stick and they wouldn't let him. And that really bums me out. Let that guy have his walking stick. I did. I did hear a piece of trivia as well about these movies today that I really enjoyed, which is while filming Prisoner of Azkaban, there's a scene after Sirius Black breaks in and all the kids are sleeping in the Great Hall and Dumbledore and Snape are walking through, which is that Michael Gamden uh, would hide a fart machine in different kids sleeping bags. So as he was walking, he would push the button and make it be like the kids were farting during the scene, (laughs) which is hilarious. (laughs) That is pretty funny. Okay, that's it. I can go Who's next. Going quick. Okay. I just watched. I haven't really watched much except West Wing, which I'm sick of talking about. The only other thing I watched was uh, Doug Days, which is a cartoon on Disney Plus, which is five like shorts. So it's like five like ten minute episodes. That is a sequel to Up, and it's got Doug the dog, the old dad or the old grandpa, and then the the kid. You know, he comes in on one of the episodes, and it's cute. Better than Transformers. Um. I think this would have been like a short in front of maybe like one of the like one of their feature length movies um, they could have done. The animation looks good. It looks expensive. Um, and I love that dog. I love that story. So it was cool to kind of get back in, see more from those characters. I know that guy recently died. I forget his name who voiced the old man. Ed Asner. So, Ed Asner. Oh, yeah, so. that's right. That's a bummer about Ed Asner. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, it was good to, you know, hear from them again. And, and I like hearing that guy that guy's great. Um, so better than transformers. If you have kids, I know Jones has already checked it out, but, or if you like animals, definitely watch it. Okay, guys, I'm going to give you guys the choice. Cause this one's ran kind of long. <laughs> you guys want to hear me talk for three to four minutes about something you want to hear about, or like 10 minutes about something you have no fucking interest in 10 I'm minutes. You have somewhere to be in 10 minutes. Yeah, you're, you're the main one I'm asking for is because you're about to leave. <laughs> Look, the best podcast moment in your guys' history is Hurt Soap Opera Ninja Tangent, which will go down in infamy as one of my favorite things on a podcast ever. So, Hurt, I feel like you're going to bring gold no matter what you're talking about. So go for it, buddy. Well, I don't think it's going to have quite the payoff of that. But OK, so, OK, I just want to say that, you know, this was something I was doing that I thought we would talk about someday when we were all back in the same room together after, you know, fucking Corona was over and we were sitting and we were looking at each other and it wouldn't be so fucking weird talking about it over, uh, you know, over fucking zoom. But now we got the Delta virus and that's the world's ending and that's never going to fucking happen. So I'm just going to go ahead and tell you guys about what I did with my first lockdown. So a little fucking backstory though. Uh, you know, sit up, if you will. Uh, there used to be these things called broadcast television networks, and uh, they still have them, but they don't matter. <laughs> but used to, they matter. And people had a sort of brand loyalty th- with them for reasons I can't really understand. Um, I have my theories, but it's not like it's not like with, you know, Netflix, where you pay a fee for Netflix. So you want it to be better than the one you're not paying a fee for. But uh I think maybe it was just because of the remote control or rather before the remote control, I should say, because I'm not old enough to remember times before the remote control, but I grew up with people who did. 
And I think it was basically just if you were watching the ABC News, you were locked in on ABC unless you were watching something else on a different channel. So like if the A-Team came on, you would turn to NBC, but then you would turn back to ABC and wait for the news to come on if you didn't have something else to watch after the A-Team. So this applies to soaps also. And I, I think actually this might even be a thing where maybe women ruled the house quietly because if you watched a show, if you watched an ABC soap, it was usually you watched all the ABC soaps and your family watched the ABC news. Uh, so, you know, when I grew up, my mom watched soaps on ABC. My, my grandmother watched them on CBS. Uh, so I was exposed to both. They both watched young and the restless because it came on unopposed. Um, so all this is to say that I had no experience really with NBC soap operas. Uh, NBC soap operas, I mean, I would maybe occasionally tune into Days of Our Lives or I heard about some batshit insane vampire shit they were doing. But for the most part, I didn't watch those shows. But I did have a relationship with one of them, and it was a soap opera called Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara ran for about eight and a half years. And, you know, in soap opera times, that's basically nothing. That's like, you know, that's like one season. Uh, it's basically they shouldn't have even fucking bought. But uh, and it was always like the lowest rated soap in America. But it persisted because, A, it was huge in Europe. For some reason, they just fucking loved it in Europe. And uh, B, because as a soap opera goes, it was pretty critically acclaimed. And I think that might be the beginning of why I had this rivalry with it. And I didn't really like it as a kid because where it was critically acclaimed, when someone would leave a soap that I liked, they would end up on Santa Barbara. And soap operas are a lot, you guys will be able to relate to this part at least, soap operas are a lot like sports teams. You pick one that you get on board and maybe there's a player that's your favorite player, but when he moves to another team, fuck him. You know, fuck that guy. He's not with you anymore. And that's kind of how it was with soap. So like, for example, one of the first characters, maybe like maybe the first character after Luke Skywalker I ever got engaged with as a little kid was a character from The Young and the Restless called Jack Abbott, uh, played by a guy named Terry Lester. And when Terry Lester left Young and the Restless and Huff, he went to uh, Santa Barbara. And I was so fucking pissed about it. Like, I just didn't understand how you would leave the one I watched and go to one I didn't watch. And also, as I got a little older, I just hated that it was, you know, critically acclaimed. I, uh, you know, whereas I've stated on here before, I don't give a shit about the Oscars. I don't give a shit about the Emmys. I actively hate the fucking Grammys. I really, really, really fucking cared about the daytime Emmys, the Emmys for soap operas and game shows. I, I waited for that breathlessly from year to year. And I think it's because I felt it was more fair since they were only representing like 10 fucking shows. Everything was getting covered. And a lot of the shows I liked were the lower rated shows. So I really wanted them to get those Emmys and get some kind of recognition. And it would, you know, piss me off when fucking Santa Barbara got all that shit. So fast forward to many, many years later when watching soap operas on YouTube became my thing. You know, I've talked a lot to you guys about how, you know, the soap operas are sort of hard to find. And once you find them hard to put together, they're not organized well and stuff like that. 
but you know, I still enjoyed doing, it. you know, once I started getting into the soaps, I already liked, I was like, well, Hey, the teens are all dead. Fuck it. Let's check out some of these soaps. I didn't watch. And the first one I thought of was Santa Barbara. Cause I did have some reasons to kind of try to check it out. Uh, you know, I talked to you about you guys about the thing with uh, Terry Lester, but there was also an actor named uh, Justin Bees, who's maybe the best actor ever on soap operas. We did a stint on it and I kind of wanted to see that shit. So I searched Santa Barbara on YouTube and I watched one episode that was just wildly fucking forgettable. Uh, it centered around uh, Robin Wright was an original cast member of, uh, of, uh, of Santa Barbara. And it basically centered around her hiding out in an old West ghost town for reasons that the episode didn't make clear. And the most memorable thing about it is, is it, it featured my favorite 80s like fiction stereotype, which was girl who's been driven mad by wearing headphones. And if you don't think you're familiar with this, you are familiar with it. Just think of Sarah Connor's roommate and Terminator. Just some girl, who, because she's wearing head, headphones, acts like a fucking moron. So, you know, I wasn't that impressed with it and I didn't watch it. So then fast forward a little further. And we're, it's like, you know, this may be my brain just remembering it poetically, but I really feel like this was like the fucking day that like we really knew that Corona was going to be serious. Like it was like someone I worked with had been diagnosed. Sarah just found it out starting the next week. She was going to be working from home. Like it was like lockdown was coming. And for whatever reason that day I searched Santa Barbara. And I discovered when I looked further into it, not just the first result that came up, just incredibly, all eight fucking years, every single episode of that fucking soap opera is on YouTube. And even better, it's all fucking organized and easy to follow playlists. So I decided at that point what I was going to do with my lockdown, which at that point I thought was going to last like three fucking weeks, was I was going to experience this like a soap opera. I was going to watch one episode a day every weekday for five days a week. I thought it'd be a fun thing to talk shit about when it was over. And I thought it might be fun because, you know, I've talked about before many times on here how when you're experiencing things from your youth, you wonder, is this really as good as I remember or is it just nostalgia? Not that there's anything wrong with nostalgia, but is the soap opera dying out really as sad as I think it is? Or was the 80s soap opera really fucking good? And watching the show that I didn't really have a connection with, you know, I could sort of be objective about. So I was going to watch this, you know, and I also, I think five days a week is important to soap operas. Like, Soap operas are, you know, they have dumb fucking stories. They have fucking evil twins and back from the dead and shit like that. And I think what makes it believable is because when you check in with these people every day, they become real to you, even if the acting isn't always great and the story they're telling is absolute fucking nonsense. So, you know, I was pretty fucking excited about doing this. But I didn't realize it would build up for over a year before I talked about it. So with that said, next week, I will start to talk about my initial impressions of the 80s soap opera, Santa Barbara. What a tease. That was, <laughs> <laughs> that was a lot of foreplay with no payoff, hurt. I know. It's it. 10 minutes <laughs> preamble to wait a week. 
<laughs> Fabulous. Okay, that's it. That's all we're, I got. We're all looking forward to it. <laughs> all right. <laughs> got it. Talking to you hurt is like it's like the inception of conversations. <laughs> There's there's preambles to preambles to preambles to preambles and well I feel like if I didn't thoroughly explain why I did this why I did this for a fucking year without talking about it it seems even more crazy than just talking about that I'm going to talk about it for ten minutes I think you totally misjudged that but <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that's an interesting social experiment instead of binging doing the one at you know one a day on the weekdays I think that's a cool way to do it fantastic well i now i have to do preambles to my stories too so fuck everybody <laughs> that's kind of your thing joe's if you talk shit about whatever else does and then immediately do it i know it you're right uh <laughs> i was uh i had to go feed my parents cat this weekend while they were out of the house and while i was there i went to pick up my dvd a special full screen edition version of Sam Raimi's Spider Man, so I could watch it this weekend. <laughs> and uh, fuck yeah, it fuck it was so fucking good, guys. I know I don't know how long it's been for the rest of you since you've gone back and seen the original Raimi movies. I know I saw Spider Man three like a few years ago just to check in, see how I felt about it. But I hadn't seen one or two in a long, long, long time, and it's still really fucking good, uh, even by like all the other standards, even by the bazillion superhero movies that have been made since then. It's just, it's a really, really tight movie. There's not like a wasted second, a wasted shot in it. It's just, it's very well put together. I don't know exactly how they ended up on the Tobey Maguire casting because I know that they, they uh, screen tested a lot of actors, but there's a little part of me that feels like, uh, I don't know if you, have you guys ever seen Sam Raimi, a picture of yes, Sam Raimi yeah. or Sam Raimi yeah, in person? Right. Yeah. There, there's a yeah. part of me that feels like Tobey Maguire is a self insert of Sam Raimi of like, if I was, if I was a little bit more handsome, but not like, I'm not going to get crazy with it. <laughs> Man, that is such a great point. I've never thought of it just now, but totally Sam Raimi looks like if fucking Tobey Maguire was bubble gum and got chewed a little. <laughs> exactly what he looks like. Like, not like all chewed up. He's not just like a mound under the desk. <laughs> like, he just know, got like, chewed like a little. Like the really hard bubble gum where you have to get like two or three. Yeah, no, 100%. Right. Gotcha. Oh, that's fabulous. It's the funniest thing I've ever heard. Uh, anyway, this movie's really good. Uh, the things I, I, I didn't remember Macy Gray is in this movie. If you want to fucking <laughs> carbon date this thing to the day. Uh, and also, Octavia Spencer's in this movie in a bit role, presumptively before she made it big, like uh, she works at the the wrestling ring. Oh, also, fucking, I, we, we, I think I know Randy Macho Man Savage as being the Bone Saw. I knew him as the Bone Saw before <laughs> I knew it was Randy Macho Man Savage. But he got it so fucking good. The Bone Saw is ready, dude. My fucking I'm favorite this- line in any movie. I'm going to tell you this, a year at least after that movie came out, if anybody asked me if I was ready to do something, <laughs> the answer was always, Boom Saw is ready. God, that's it's the best. the best thing that's ever happened. Yeah. Anyway, this, this movie is way better than Transformers. Uh, I think it deserves a little bit more attention. I think we've, we've kind of dated everything since the Marvel Universe started, but fucking Spider-Man rocks. I'm going to use a uh, Joseph-ism here, which is those movies fucking kick. They do. <laughs> I I honestly think I'm feeling like maybe there's something for the modern superhero movie to 
to learn from because even though all the modern superhero movies are jokey and funny they're really afraid for the superhero action to be goofy yeah and i kind of like the parts where the action is goofy in this i love the parts where willem dafoe is kind of goofy god that, that's the other thing about this movie is, uh, that i like about it that i think comes through everybody looks like they're having the best time except for james franco <laughs> right uh, yeah, I can't wait for Willem Dafoe. I, I hope to God that he's the, the I assume he's the Green Goblin in the in the new Spider-Man movie, but I'd be so sad if it wasn't. I totally, it definitely won't turns out it's Dane Don. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> anyway, that's Spider-Man. I highly recommend going back to it. I'm going to try and track down Spider-Man 2 without having to subscribe to Stars because fuck you, Stars. Yeah, the you only other thing want to watch them. I haven't watched them in years. I gotta you go should. Back. They're really good. Uh, yeah. The only other thing I watch... I watched uh, an old Toonami show called Big O, which for anybody who remembers uh, the, the elevator pitch for it was basically Batman, but he's got a giant robot instead of a costume. And I really want to like it like really badly. Like it's got a heavy Batman, the animated series aesthetic. Uh, you know, and I feel like it leans even harder into kind of like the noir style, but it kind of sucks. So I'm not sure I'm going any far. I forgot this show existed. Yeah, it totally I, exists. <laughs> they've got they've got I remember like... it now that you say it, but <laughs> I totally wiped it from my brain. It's visually, visually very, very cool. I really loved looking at it, but it was pretty fucking boring. Yeah, it's not a great show. I like that they essentially just put Alfred in it, but like, how can we make Alfred more intense? So they put an eye patch on him. <laughs> uh, anyway, it's it's not a good show. I'm probably not going to make it any farther, but I feel like I should at least acknowledge that it existed. But that's it for me. Do we know what we want to do next week? Is, is it time to do what F yet? Is that ending yet? I don't know. I don't know how many episodes are in that. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't know. I think it's. Yeah, I'm it's kinda, I think it's. I've heard ten. Ten. Uh, damn. damn. Ten. Uh, I mean, Rick and Morty season just ended. We could do Rick and Morty. We could do Rick and Morty. I'm not opposed to that. That is something else I watched that I forgot to, I didn't even think about. So uh, placeholder, if something else comes up, we'll do that. But I'm not opposed to doing Rick and Morty. All right. I'll have well, to finish it. Well, you should. Yeah, I'm kind of out on Rick and Morty, but uh, I could probably yeah, watch it. Yeah, me too. I, I got to the Voltron yeah. episode and this season's just not doing it for me at all. So I just have yeah. not cared to keep going. Really? Well, yeah, I watched me- the first two and I just got out. I'm like, this is, it's just not, I don't know. It's not for me anymore. See, man, me I love on the same page. Well, you guys might like the last three then, because the last three is when it it really stops being like the sort of standalone wacky episodes and sort of gets back into the lore of the show. I didn't know. I, 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 you know, there's a part of me that always feels like we're largely on the same page just a little bit. But I feel like this is a Game of Thrones splitting point between the podcasts where Hurt and I are looking for one thing out of Rick and Morty and you guys are looking for something else. (laughs) Yeah. Because this is possibly my favorite season since the first one. Yeah. We'll talk about it more next week, but I find it fucking boring. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we will talk about it more next week or something else. I don't know. There's no rules here. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, if you made it this far, God bless you. You deserve a medal. I can't afford to send you one, but, you know, buy yourself one. From our, our merch store on Public. If you want to uh, reach us for episode ideas, thoughts on Shang-Chi or 80 soaps or whatever you feel like, you can reach at realphonies gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at realphonies on Instagram at real underscore phonies. Thanks to Zach Evans for art and Brian Velasquez for our theme. We'll see you guys later. Later. Later, players. <laughs>